I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome to the Look Sports Media National League podcast. Uh, my name's Jordan. I'm going to be presenting today all the all of the, the weekend's action, which included the likes of uh, Marty Sifuentes' first game in charge of QPR, a couple of red cards, a few goals, quite a few draws as well, and Wayne Rooney picking up his first point in charge of Birmingham City. Uh, we are joined by three other people today. We're joined by Chris Lewis and Tom. So, first of all, guys, how are you all doing? Yeah, very good. Not too bad. How are you, Jordan? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you, mate. Um, good weekend, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, not for me. Both my teams had horrible weekends in action in other leagues, but... Fantastic. Yeah, not, not exactly the best for me either. So, I hold these 3-1 to half decent West Brom side. So, can't be too disheartened about that, but still not great. Yeah. And Tom, yeah, what about I, you, mate? I, uh, well, it's nice not to get beat for once, but a bit disappointed not to get all three points, really. Um, but yeah, ended the losing run. Yeah, exactly that. And um, yeah, I think the less said about our game in the FA Cup, the better. One all with uh, Sartan, in which their player manager uh, scored a free kick. We won't talk about it. It was absolutely miserable. No. That's for a diff- that's for a different discussion. We're here to talk about the uh, the second tier um, today from this weekend's action. Quite a bit going on. There may be FA Cup action across the country from a lot of them, but we're, we're still on with the uh, with the championship today. We're going to be starting off uh, with a big one at, at the top of the table. The Friday night game between uh, uh, Leeds United and Leicester City. Leicester absolutely flying at the moment as well, hosting a Leeds side who are in good form as well. Um, Leeds managed to nick a, nick a 1-0 win at Jorginho Ruta uh, with the goal and I thought Leeds played pretty well Tom you had this one um, this is one of the games that was pit for you um, what what did you make of it it was a really good result for Leeds in the end wasn't it 
Yeah, I uh, I actually thought I was very confident Leeds were going to win the game um, prior to the game. I just thought that having obviously been a QPR fan myself and seeing Leicester against us the weekend prior, I thought they were caught out quite a bit by um, QPR's high press. And obviously, I know now Leeds aren't under Bielsa, but they're still a very high energy, high press inside. They've got the likes of Glenn Camaro, who's an engine in midfield. Dan James is always going to be a press, very good in the press. Um, and I thought that they'd get caught out. And in the first 15, 20 minutes, Leeds really set the tone. Um, they won the ball high up off Leicester a lot. And although Leicester had a lot of possession, they only had one shot on target in the whole game. And I think that a lot of that was owing to how well Leeds managed to sort of keep the ball in Leicester's defensive third. Um, and then when they did win the ball, Leeds looked really dangerous. Um, they, they had a few early chances. And obviously, Ruter got the winning goal sort of midway through the second half. But I don't want to be too reactionary, but I do feel like it was always going to happen from Leicester's perspective. I think people sometimes were getting slightly carried away thinking that they were going to be break the points record and things like that. Because in my opinion, when you play the way that Enzo Maresca wants Leicester to play, then you've got to be on your A game in order to play that way successfully. And if if a couple of players have bad days, especially in those crucial positions, I thought Yannick Vestergaard was, was really poor in possession. I thought Harry Winks didn't have his best game. And if the spine of your team has an off day like they did, then they're going to more often than not concede a lot of good chances and concede goals. Yeah, exactly that. It was a, it was an inter- it was an interesting game. I, f- I felt as a, I thought Leeds, I thought had the better of the ball and most of it and probably maybe could have got another one, but so did Leicester. I mean, they hit the bar and, um, both were saved by Ian Medley at the end. Uh, Lewis, who were the only team to have beaten Leicester so far, um, prior to Friday night? Um, just a blip, is it? Just just a little one-off result? Well, you'd think so, considering that's 11 games in a row or something like that, that they ended up winning. I don't think it's that many, but they got quite a few wins on the bounce ever since that whole game. And, yeah, you'd think they'd stroll to victory, but echoing Tom's thoughts, they have looked fairly shaky the past couple of times. They needed that red card against QPR and a late Harry Winks screamer, I think it's safe to say, to get all three points there. And they didn't look anything like they'd started off the season. And that was against the Gareth Ainsworth QPR side as well. So certainly weren't in the best of form and didn't perform the best against them. I think we take nothing away from the brilliant start they've had so far this season. And we'll see if they continue that fine form. And uh, we've got a few favourable fixtures incoming as well, and we'll just see what happens there. Exactly that. Um, yeah, I completely agree with what you just said. Uh, Chris, win for Leeds. Um, we're on a bit of a roll at the minute themselves as well. How big is this for a win at the minute early doors? I mean, it, it's massive for them because you look at the uh, pre-match comments from uh, the manager. They They said that they would pretty much be resigned to being out of that automatic promotion chase already if they failed to beat Leicester. So I think they've took that extra motivation into this game. And Leicester, they, they certainly look like they've been figured out by Leeds on Friday evening. Um, well, we talk about how well they did 
pinning Leicester in their defensive third. But at times, Leicester trying to get out of their defensive third, they looked absolutely clueless how to do it at times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um, w- one thing just to point out as well, what my it was weird because I have a mate who's a Leeds fan, and he pointed out that uh, before Ritter's goal came from what was a corner from Dan James, and what and what he said that Dan, Dr- Dan James on corner should be a war crime. So uh, it's it's good to know that he's, he's picking up that one, albeit from a rebound from a Sam Byron attempt. So yeah, it was a, it was a great win for a. Uh, for Leeds against a flying Leicester side. Well, I think it won nine in a row before that. Although, as Lewis mentioned, they have found recent like performances a bit trickier than others. Um, Preston Coventry next. Um, Coventry uh, not on, not having the best of times at the moment. Preston not so much either after uh, not winning in in seven games. But it was a really entertaining uh, match. This one. Um, Fair, fair few, fair few goals in it as well. Good to see Hadji Wright getting a brace for uh, for country as well. I think he struggled at the best of times uh, at times um, in this country, but it was a much needed win for uh, for Ryan Lowe's side. Uh, Dwayne Holmes with a with a good strike inside the box, a pretty hit and miss pen. I say hit and miss. It was more it could it could have gone either way. I thought it looked soft. Um, to be honest, um, which was buried by by Alan Brown, and then they went on to score the third with a um, Os Magic, I think his name is from header from a cross. But uh, it, but Chris, we'll go to you again for this one. It's 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 a big win for uh, Preston North End and something that they needed as well to stop the rut of uh, seven games without a win. Yeah, that that's what made this game so interesting going into it was the fact that both teams so desperately needed a win here to get their season back on track. Um, Preston, probably being mid-table side, as they always have been in the Championship, and Coventry will be looking at that relegation zone. But I think, I don't actually think they'll be in danger of a relegation threat. I think they will get some points on the board uh, eventually in the season. But another thing is how poor the teams actually occupy in the relegation zone are looking at the moment. Coventry won't really be in danger of falling beneath them. Yeah, it's a good shout. Um, Tom, uh, you, you, you look at it in a minute. Coventry are now, are now winless of five. They've lost uh, They've lost the last four in a row, so it's not going great. Uh, they, they sit 20th at the minute uh, with Hud, just in front of Hud, Huddersfield on goal difference. Um, would you maybe agree with Chris, maybe that they've got, that they've got the quality, but for some reason it, or another, it's not quite clicking at the moment? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a coincidence, really. When you, when you look at the, their summer, they lost arguably two of the best players in, in each position in the league, in Gustavo Hamer and Gokarez. And they've, they used that money to, to bring in players who a lot of Coventry fans have been critical because they brought in a young lad from Brighton who hasn't really hit the hit the straps called Iari. And had you right, obviously, and Ellis Sims both came in for a lot of money in haven't been amazing. Um, so I think it's just for me a case with Coventry of Mark Robbins getting getting those players used to his system and and the team gelling. Um, we've seen it with Middlesbrough. They've obviously hit real form, but they started the season terribly because they had a lot of new players getting used to Michael Carrick's system. So I wouldn't be surprised if Coventry go on one of those type of runs where they win four or five games on the bounce and all of a sudden... They're up in the top half of the table. 
Yeah, ex- exactly that. Um, Lewis, we'll, we'll come to you for for this one as well. Um, like I said, it was a, it was a much needed win for Preston. Uh, they're still in the playoffs as well, which their early good uh, start of the season form has helped them. But like I said, it was it it was a bit. You sense it was a big win already for uh, for uh, uh, Preston, don't you? Yeah, certainly, and it's completely different to the performance we saw away at Hull. Like I said last week on the pod, they were very one-dimensional. They went out for the draw. There was just no real attacking threat from them. But we saw Ozmacic get a goal there. It was third for the season, I believe, and he's got five goal contributions in ten and really could kick on further after this. And it was a free header in the box as a result of fairly questionable Coventry defending, I think it's safe to say. But credit to the striker for being in the right place. And if they've got him firing on all four cylinders, then there's no reason why they can why they can't overturn this bad run of form and cement a place in the playoffs. Yeah, you mentioned that as well. I think with Coventry as well, with you mentioned some of the uh the, the goals they concede. I think I look back recently as well. They've they've just They've been poor goals to concede. We saw the game against West Brom the other week. It was a goalkeeper howler. And as much as it probably was offside, um, I do sort of feel they have to deal with that better. But it's a, it, was the same, it was the same problems again. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I thought the penalty looked soft. Um, but yeah, they, they've got to defend that. That third goal in particular, they've got to defend that a lot better. Um, and ultimately, it, you know, it's those sort of things in which they find themselves where they are um, as a result. So, um, it's a, yeah, it's, but like I said, I'm sure they'll pick up. I think they've got, I think they've got a fair bit of quality in their squad. So, um, well, let's let's see if that's the case. Uh, We're going to go over to Birmingham now. Uh, Birmingham, uh, three games under Wayne Rooney, three defeats so far. It's not been the best of times uh, since he's come in. They take on an inform Ipswich side as well, who are, Absolutely flying at the minute. They're scoring goals and that they're getting good results. It was a two-two draw this one. Um, Birmingham being two in the look for the best part of, of eighty minutes and they let it slip away. Um, well, in the, in the last ten in the last ten minutes through a super sub Marcus Harness, in which I'll talk a little bit more at the minute. Um, Tom, we'll, we'll come to you first uh, for this one. Um, disappointing end to to the game for for Birmingham, but I think. In terms of where Ipswich are at the minute, a, a certainly a positive performance on uh, on Wayne Rooney's side. Yeah, it was a really good start to the game. I think if you look at the XG charts, which I know don't tell the full story, but Birmingham raced out the blocks in the first 30, 30 or so minutes. Um, I think the reason they've struggled is because Rooney is start trying to implement a, a different sort of system to what they were playing under Eustace. And some of the players, it doesn't really, really fit with that. But they started the game really well. But from about half an hour mark onwards, Ipswich were the much better side. They had more possession, created more chances. Um, and obviously, Burgess scoring an own goal just after half time. Probably the Ipswich fans would have been thinking that they were going to, their nine game unbeaten run was going to end. But Marcus Harness comes off the bench. And uh, does what he does, scores two goals. And it, it alludes to the depth it's which have really, when they can bring on players like him. Um, you know, they've got an array of wide attacking options and he's one of them. And when you can bring someone like that on against tired defences, then 
more often than not, it's going to create it's going to create issues. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, Chris Ipswich, really good character from them to to get a result, even though at times it probably won't didn't look like their best of performances that they've had this season. I think that sort of character probably explains the reason why they're doing so well in the league, isn't it? Yeah, it, it shows exactly the kind of team they are and the kind of manager Kieran McKenna is as well. I, I have to put him as one of the managers in the EFL who, if he doesn't, if he somehow doesn't get Ipswich promoted, I think he'll be in the Premier League in some capacity with someone next season. Um, but if you, if you, I spoke to a Birmingham fan and it's a bit hit and miss. Um, in terms of them being 2 nil up, they'll look at it two points lost. But I think if you told a Birmingham fan they'd get a point from Ipswich this weekend, they'd have took it. Um, Rooney, I don't actually, don't think he's a bad manager. I just don't think he's top half of a championship, what Birmingham were looking for. Um, we saw them do this, something like this when they were in the playoffs and they sacked um, Rowett for Zola. And they, well, they almost got relegated then. So it'll be, it's going to be a tough season. And I think, I think the players as well are still reeling just as much as the fans from John Eustace's departure. Yeah. Um, Lewis, is it, do you think with Birmingham, it's a sense of they've, it's hard to describe it, I think, because you move away from someone like John Eustace, who did a good job. Is it more of just the fact that they're still trying to get used to Rooney's methods and what he wants other than... Um, which goes along with the performances. Um, what what do you put that down to? Is is it that maybe? Is it something else? But I believe John Eustace for some time knew before prior to his sacking that he was going to get the boot at some point. I think he was made aware of that from the owners. So you would have thought that would have trickled down to the players, and they would have been aware that someone new was going to come in, someone new was going to implement their own playing style, and. It just hasn't been the case, really. Wayne Rooney, he, his start has been fairly torrid, I think it's safe to say. Four games, three defeats, just a one draw. It's a very good draw against Ipswich, but when you put out the context being 2-0 up and losing the lead in the last 15, 20 minutes to a brace from Marcus Harness, it's got to go down as two points dropped. And I think it just has to fall to the owners again. The, brought in the wrong man, in my opinion. They had the right man beforehand. And, yeah, I feel like I could see it coming as well, in the playoffs and now they're down in 15. There's some glimpses of hope in that side. I've got Jay Stansfield, for example. He's a great talent from what we've seen. We saw it last season on loan at Exeter, I believe it was. And he's got two goals at the bounce. But the rest of the side, they seem a little bit... It seems as if they haven't really adapted to Rooney's playing style. And if I'm being honest, I struggle to put my finger down on what Rooney's playing style actually is at the minute. Yeah, I agree. I thought at the time it was it was bizarre, mainly, mainly because of the job that John Eustace has done. Even with last season, probably with they didn't have the, the amount of resources they do now. Um, it was just an absolutely baffling decision. And... It's it's certainly proven very, to be very PR driven. I think it's safe to say. Yeah, um, just a little bit more in this game as well. I was actually in attendance in this game. Had a free Saturday, and I wanted to tick off Birmingham. I know, um, I know, I know. What you think. Why? <laughs> it's, 
But it was it was, it was low good to me, and, and what I saw was was actually a relatively decent game of football. I thought for the best part of seventy minutes, I didn't think um, I thought that Ipswich were quite, were poor. I thought I, I, it, it didn't look like the Ipswich that we've seen from the from the from the past few weeks. But as much as they were poor, I thought for the best part of seventy minutes, I thought Birmingham were excellent. I thought Jay Stansfield absolutely ran the show. Um, he's going to be a player and a half, by the way. Um, I, I really like look, the look of him. His energy, his desire, and, he, and he's got a good finish on him as well. He took that first goal brilliantly. And then Ipswich sort of had a little spell in like the first like second, like first five minutes of the second half where they were trying to do something. But the own goal from Canberra just really essentially killed him off. Uh, and then it, it needed something special for, I think, for, for Ipswich to get something. And on comes Marcus Harmonis. Um he, two goals. One one was a tap in linking up well with Freddie Lerdap, and I think it was Dane Scarlett as well coming off the bench, and he took his equalising goal in the in the eight ninth minute really well. Um, food for four in in the sense for uh, for Birmingham for the fact it's still a good result in the sense a, a point is still good, but there were there were minutes away from three, and I think the late drop off. I think their subs killed them as well as as, as I thought that Ipswich is uh, improved them, but. Um, no fair, fair play to Ipswich, which are looking like the real deal at the moment. In the sense that m- maybe when they're not playing at their absolute best, they're still getting a result, and that's what good teams do. So, uh, really good game of football that one. Um, we're going to be sticking around that area now. West Brom and Albion uh, against Hull City. Uh, Hull, uh, West Brom uh, doing all right at the minute under Carlos Corbera. Um, they're certainly in the playoffs as well, um, because we saw that the, the result was a. Uh, was was three one uh, Jed uh, Jed Wallace uh, Matt Phillips and uh, Senny J uh, uh, Senny J um, even um, Senny J with their goals and uh, with the one goal the equalising goal coming from uh, Louis Coyle um, Lewis will come to you, Hull fan um, yeah not a good day this one was it yeah certainly and it didn't start the best either we heard the news that Hull were going to go into this one disadvantage with the loss of key winger Jin Philogene who was going undergoing muscle issues prior to the game and we didn't really have a plan with the absence of him it felt like and we also had Jason Lakilo absent as well who was our other winger who plays in that 1-0 victory against Preston so the formation was a little bit left field or centre field because there were no wingers it's safe to say and it wasn't the only hill that we had to climb. 14 minutes into the game, Jean-Michael Serry carelessly hands the ball to Jed Wallace, who's given a golden opportunity to open the scoring. And of course he does so. And I feel like it's one of them things we've seen time after time again this season. Serry giving the ball away in precarious positions. And as much quality as the lad has, he can often be slow on the ball and doesn't always pick up the correct pass. We saw it at home to Plymouth, I believe, where he gave the ball away in a very similar position and Plymouth had the opportunity to make it 2-0 away from home and they hit the post. Then went on to draw that game fairly luckily uh, because you know they weren't able to make that chance. However, Hull did get back on level terms through full-back Louis Coyle following a beautiful cross from Bernie Loney, Scott Twine. It's a bit of a surprise that he hasn't really kicked on. He's came into a Hull side which has a fair bit of pedigree. And I feel like it's safe to say that his career with MK Dons, the brief stint with Burnley when he wasn't injured as well, 
certainly had the expectations to live up to that, but he hasn't really kicked on much. But I'm sure this assist will do him the world of good. But despite that first half goal, after the interval, it was West Brom who took the game the whole and two consecutive well-worked goals from Phillips and the Jay, as you mentioned, certainly showed for that. In the end, West Brom were well-deserved victors and it solidifies their playoff place after three straight wins. Hull, however, continue their inconsistent form and find themselves two points off the top six. Yeah, well put. Um, as you mentioned there, um, three straight wins for West, West Brom now. They've only uh, lost one in their last ten being, with them winning uh, five and then drawing four then obviously losing the other. Um, Tom... I think I think with with this sort of form already, as much as as you know a, a third of the season got are gone, I think you look at it with the job that Carlos Corbran has done and is doing at West Brom. Um, serious playoff contenders. I think so. I think potentially they've always had an issue West Brom putting the ball in the net um, consistently, even under Corbran. It's been solid in defence, but struggled to to score. I think in those last 10 games, I'm pretty sure two of those have been nil-nil home draws, um, mostly because they've let Miaka down both times. But, um, but um, yeah, I think West Brom have they've got the squad. You look at their team on paper, they've got quality throughout all that squad. Jed Wallace, Grady Diangana, who seems to be coming into his own this season. I mean, they've even got... John Swift, who I think might be injured at the moment. Um, but it's it's a case of, for me, with West Brom, just getting the best out of those creative players because if they can manage to do that and it looks like Corberan is starting to do that, then there's no doubt they've got one of the top six squads in the league. So, really, the playoffs should be should be an aspiration for them. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll come to you, Chris, for, for this next question with Hall. They've... Um... It was their first. It was their first defeat after back-to-back victories as well. Uh, but the thing is, they've only won twice in their in their last seven games. But you look at it and you say that you know they've they've had a relatively decent season so far with them being two points of the playoffs. Is it maybe a case of that they've got a bit of an inconsistency problem starting to grow already? Um, inconsistency might be creeping in. Yeah, I mean, Rosinha is another one for me, like McKenna, who'll probably be managing in the Premier League. Uh, in the next five years or so. Um, with Hull, they've always been... They've always been... They've been clever with their recruitment so far with, obviously, since the takeover, they've focused a lot on Turkey. And that could be something that has sort of drilled into the team, that these players aren't used to the English game and the championship. And it's struggling to keep up with players who are used to the English game. Some of them have played in the Premier League. Some of them have been in the Championship for a long time. So it could it could be something. But I think Hull will be in the Premier League themselves in the next few years with the way they're going at the moment. Yeah, I, I can see I can see where you're coming from. Um, but I've already um, had my plaudits for Liam Rossini. I think. With Hull or not, he's going to be he's going to be a Premier League gaffer uh, so, uh, one day, that's for sure. Um, I think he mentioned something about that he wanted to be more streetwise in terms of playing it from the back. And as you mentioned, Lewis, um, it's really poor, not just from Sarri, but the goal, but the goalkeeper as well. But you could probably it, more blames on Sarri um, if you look at it. And um, yeah, it, it's an absolute gift. It's an absolute gift of a goal. 
in which Jed Wallace is, is just going to take up in that situation. Um, I really liked Hull's equaliser, Scott's wife. It's probably somewhat, it's been a bit near so far since he's joined on loan from Burnley, but um, I thought his cross was absolutely superb and Louis Cole just at the right place at the right time. Um, sort of like a bit of half volley as well, in a sense, if that's even way. But um, yeah, Gr- Grady Diangana, I think at the minute, with the sort of form he's on as well, I think if you've got him in your team, uh, you've got a chance. Um, he was crucial for uh, West Brom second in, in, in particular with that with that ball with that ball to Phillips. He, he does really well on, on the right. And then and then again and then again with the third. Um yeah his, his low ball to um Ajayi was was a was a good one as much as a, his low shot there was was deflected in uh, is what it looked like. So it, it's a it's a good result for uh, for West Brom there they're loving knife at the minute for Carlos Cobran but something to think about for for Hull City. Uh going forward so um we'll move we'll move on from that one now um we'll mention the game in which took place um yesterday at, at Carrow Road um Norwich not having the best of times uh so far under um David Wagner they've um they've been on really poor form um as you've seen it they've um what what was it they they'd won one in nine it looks like with eight with a concerning eight of them being defeats uh and uh, Blackpool, uh, uh, Blackpool, sorry, no, uh, Blackburn, uh, rocked up, uh, rocked up, and um, and took a blistering lead as well. Uh, really, um, well, a brace from Samish Modix with with an opener from Tyrese Dolan. Uh, Chris, you had this one, I believe. Um, it's it's looking quite grim at the minute for for Norwich and for David Wagner's future at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, I think for me, Wagner is the most under-pressure manager in the EFL right now, uh, since Ainsworth's departure anyway. Um, similar to Preston with their um, run of games without wins, but for Preston, they were obviously in the top half. Norwich are completely in the wrong half of the table. The Tyrese Dolan goal you mentioned was fantastic, and that's one reason why focus on Blackburn as well as Norwich here because the possession play to get the ball through to Dolan to smash it home at the near post was absolutely fantastic and then Dolan's involved again for Smotodic's first goal uh, just slipping Smotodic through who's just got, just rolls it past the keeper and that's the instant the booze started at Carrow Road Norwich fans clearly dissatisfied with what's going on there, you know you think this is a team that a few years ago, tore the championship apart to get to the Premier League. And Wagner's got promotion experience as well, took Huddersfield there through the playoffs. So there must be something internally going wrong, more so than the players and the manager, whether it's just players don't respond to what the manager wants to instill in the team. Yeah. um, It's it's just not looking good at all, is it? Uh, But Lewis, as much as Norwich have been really, really poor in in recent weeks, uh, Blackburn came flying out the blocks, didn't they? And took a really good uh, and took a real, really quick two 0 lead. In fact, inside fifteen minutes. Um, what my mates used to always say to me in terms of uh, with Blackburn, especially at the minute under job John Dal Thomason, I get the sense of a bit of a vibesy team in the sense, like this, like the score a lot, but they also concede a fair bit. Um, but they've certainly got the players to hurt teams, haven't they? Yeah, certainly. As you said there, they scored two 
very early goals, and I feel like that's what blew the wind out of the sails for Norwich, and of course caused all the booze to go around to Carrow Road, and yeah, it's they've been fairly good as of recent. Four wins in the last five, and they're certainly looking up the table. They've got plenty of good talents there. They've got Sammy Swadix, who got himself a brace. Tyrese Dolan also got himself on the score sheet. I think there's something very exciting, as you said, vibey team as well. <laughs> you know, they've uh, scored 25 or so. I believe so far this season, no, twenty-three scores so far and twenty-four conceded in fifteen. Which, if you compare to sides such as Bristol City, which have scored and also conceded sixteen, lacking vibes, as your pals might say. Yeah, so, yeah, it's certainly been a very interesting one so far, and I can see them looking towards the playoffs as of this moment. And just, and just very quickly, before we go to a break as well, Tom, uh, the next couple of games for, for Norwich, they, they go to Cardiff next before they they eventually uh, play host to QPR. I think they need a couple of good results there. If not, then I think the writing's starting to appear on the wall, isn't it, for David Wagner and his time at the club? 100%. I'm, I'm very surprised he survived that defeat, to be honest with you. Um I think if you look at their the players they have, they've got a, a, a very decent top half squad minimum. Um, and as I say, Cardiff aren't going to roll over at all. They're in good form. They're just outside the playoffs under Errol Bullock. And then QPR under new management, they'd, it'd be a game they, they should win. They'd look at it. Their fans will look at it and win. But I think if they don't pick up at least three points from those from those next two games, then he'll be gone. Yeah, I I firmly believe that as well. I think the next two in particular is massive, um, particularly the QPR one at the minute with the formula. But we'll we'll get onto them in a little bit. Uh, just real quick, just real quickly as well. Um, just a couple of talking points from that game as well. As much as we mentioned the goal scorers, uh, Joe Rankin Costello in particular uh, was one that really caught my eye. Um, this the through ball for Dolan for the first, and I think he got the uh, the assist for the, the third as well for Schmodix the second. Uh, there's a red card as well, uh, something that we haven't mentioned as well. Scott Wharton um, denying Anel Hernandez in on goal. I, th- I thought it was a clear red card. And um, yeah, as much as uh, Gabriel Sara got, got a consolation, just way too little too late. So uh, really good. And, and another win for Blackburn. Um, yeah, another win for Blackburn, sorry. And uh, yeah, just it's another disappointing afternoon for uh, for Norwich City. Right, we're going to go take a break. We'll be back shortly to continue with the... Uh, the rest of the results from the week and we'll be back shortly. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, okay, so we're back. Welcome back to the uh, the Look Sports Media Championship podcast. Uh, the attention now turns to Rotherham, um, playing host to... Uh, to Queen's Park Rangers, both sides struggling at the wrong end of the table at the minute. Um, I believe it was Marty Sif Wentz's first game in charge and ended in a one-all draw. I like to share with the uh with a really good goal, in fact, for uh for QPI, only for that to be ruled out by a um by a goal scored by a can't remember his name. Um some yeah, Georgie someone. It was an absolute disaster. I'll, I'll find a name in, in a moment. But Tom, you 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 had this one. Um I don't think a draw does anyone any favours, does it? No. Um, I was at the game, obviously, in the away end. Um, and coming away from it, I was disappointed. I was at the game with a few pals and my dad. And I was saying to him, on the bright side, it's nice to be coming away from from an away game or any game disappointed with a draw. Because I think under Ainsworth, um, we would have probably been fist pumping and giving it keep your chin up to the fans and all that. So, you know, it's it's really promising signs. Sifuentes 100% has had a, a massive impact already um, on the style of play. I mean, just to see the ball being knocked around the back is something almost alien to QPR fans that have watched us in the last six months. Um, and I thought QPR were the better side. Again, you know, you could look at how unlucky it is to be playing a team like Rotherham on one of the wettest and windiest days of the year. But that's their game, Rotherham. They they beat you up. They're really physical. I thought Jordan Hugill, although the referee let him get away with a lot of it, he's very clever the way that he seems to manipulate defenders and a lot of the time ends up jumping into the defender instead of going for the ball. But it works for them. And as I say, they, they get set pieces and they look very dangerous when they put the ball into the box. Um, but as for the goal, Lilius Chet, I, I don't know if you've seen the goal, but it was it was a really good finish um, right into the top corner. And there was a lot of chances for QPR after that. Probably should have put the game to bed at 2-0. Um, and then late on, a couple of chances as well in, in added time. So overall, I think definitely encouraging signs for QPR. Putting my bias away, you could probably look at it and say where Rotherham hit the post as well. They could have easily got a result, but I think things are probably looking up for QPR and, and looking at the, the reaction from Rotherham fans on Twitter, they didn't seem too pleased with, with their side's performance. And I think Matt, their manager, Matt Taylor, might be walking a bit of a tightrope if they don't start picking up some wins soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um just going back to that, George Georgie Kelly was his name. My mind, my mind just completely went. Um, but I, I knew it, and it was something along, along, along those lines, anyway. But anyway, let's get back into it. Um, Lewis, as, Lewis as well. Uh, Matty went as his first game in charge. Um, it was an interesting appointment at the time, isn't it? And how do you just something I just want to ask how, how just with what he's got or with what he's got at the minute, QP, how big is his job at hand to, to keep him in the championship and more importantly how you know how much of a chance have they got with someone like Elias Chair for example how big is it 
are those sort of factors going to play into uh, QPR this season? Well, I think it's safe to say that <clears throat> QPR over the last calendar year have been quite simply the worst championship side. There's been it's been absolutely torrid for them under Gareth Ainsworth. There's been no lack of identity, no sense of character, no shape. It's all just been really bizarre under him. And the fact that he ended up lasting this long is absolutely incredible to me, in my opinion. But Marty Fuentes is a very left field appointment. I feel like it was unexpected. I, I thought they were going to get someone in with a bit of championship experience, although as does have two months' experience as a coach, a youth coach at Millwall, which I didn't know about. But um, yeah, it's a, it's quite a it's, it's quite it's quite a strange appointment. But he's, we've seen we've seen improvements already in this game against Rotherham. QPR being one of them sides this season with the lowest possession per game, and then uh, came away to Rotherham and they've got fifty nine percent possession and. A lot more shots, shots on goal as well. They got four compared to Rotherham's three. I think there's been a real improvement there. And in terms of Elias Chair, I feel like he's a player who's certainly got the quality to be near the top end of the championship, but hasn't really shown it so far this season. But that goal, like you said, Tom, absolutely incredible to cut in on the left-hand side and bend it top corner against, in my opinion, <clears throat> one of the better championship goalkeepers in Johansson as well you know absolutely incredible from him yeah it was a fantastic hit wasn't it against I agree one of the one of the better uh, goalkeepers in the league in Victor Johansson I've seen it a few times from Elias Chair with the quality he's got um, he can certainly hit a ball from time to time as well but we look at Rotherham at the minute as well uh, they've only won one in nine um, at present and that includes three draws they've lost the other five um, they play Ipswich next it's far from an ideal next game, really, Chris, with, with the form that Ipswich are on, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we'll be hoping that maybe that Birmingham uh, result has uh, will deter Ipswich. Um, but it'll probably motivate them more than anything. You know, some of their fans will be looking at it. Obviously, like we said with Birmingham, some of their fans will be looking at it as two points lost the whole way through. But Rotherham, Rotherham have always been one of those teams, you know, they bounce up and down between Championship and League One. They obviously lost Connor Washington in the summer. But I think they are, like I said earlier, I think they're one of the favourites to go down already. And I think they'll be one we see go down quite early. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of inclined to agree at the minute. My I know a couple of people that went to the game and they what they said to me was the fact that both of these sides will be playing in the same division next season and it's not the championship. That's just what they saw, though. Um, you know, there's, there's still time to turn it around, but you do sort of get the indication already that that it could be a really difficult next few months of the season that the games have got, especially in Rotherham's case. Um, yeah, I, I think now, honestly, I think they'll struggle to, to really get out of it. I, We'll get more on Sheffield Wednesday in a, in a moment, but as much as I think that th at the minute with their going, they'll, they'll be gone way early. But um, it's not looking good for Rotherham at the minute, and and Mark Taylor as well. He's you know he's got to be a sense of him being under pressure as well. So um, 
yeah, I'm I'm under the impression that I don't think a draw does anyone any favours, to be honest, even at this stage of the season. Um, we're going to move on to the Den now. Um, Southampton doing they've had a, a doing quite well at the moment. Southampton they're, they're seven unbeaten. Uh, they've uh, it's a run of five wins and two draws in those um, games unbeaten as well. They travelled to uh, to a Millwall side in which they've. Uh, with, with them losing, they've gone five games without a win. It's understood that uh, Joe Edwards is set to be um, is set to become their new manager. Uh, there were rumours of Nathan Jones coming in. Um, it's it looked an interesting affair this one. Um, not not many chances. There was a couple. Uh, I think Wes Harding for Millwall hit the crossbar, and I think there was a potential shot for handball from from Southampton's end. But it took a ninety it took a ninety third minute winner from Ryan Fraser. To uh, to get the three points for the Saints, it was a uh, good work for Adam Armstrong as well to, to stick with the ball in and try and poke through um, Fraser, and, and ultimately uh, they've they've managed to walk away uh, with with three points in this one. Um, Lewis, uh, we'll, we'll come to you for, for this one. Southampton, um, like I said, the loving life at the minute with seven games unbeaten, uh, get seven unbeaten since the. Uh, their poor form, in which I think they had about four four defeats in a row, um, losing quite heavily in those defeats as well. So it looks like they're really starting to get their act together. And you sense it's a big win already, don't you? Yeah, certainly. And to do it late on again, we've seen it a fair few times. Ryan Fraser scored in the 98th minute, I believe, to get a win away at Hull. And he's done it again here. And you also have to give credit to Adam Armstrong, who kept the ball alive in that moment and gave it to Ryan Fraser, who was able to slot it past the Millwall goalkeeper. And yeah, it continues a very rich run of form for the away side, which if you look at the squad, I don't think there's much separating them and this Leicester side that are doing so well at the top of the table. Of course, they lost the Leeds this weekend, but up there by a fair bit of distance. You know, you've got players such as Adam Armstrong, Alcaraz, Stuart Armstrong, Cal Walker-Peters, a fair few Premier League talents, I think you would all agree, in the side. And it's uh, it's not a surprise that they've managed to get these wins in a row. And I'm a bit surprised to be honest, it took so long for them to get into their stride. Yeah, um... Exactly that. Uh, Chris, with Millwall at the minute, five five games without a win, I just mentioned that it looks like it's going to be Joe Edwards uh, to come in as their new gaffer. There were potential other shouts as well. I think Nathan Jones was the more uh, primary one. There were a couple of other potential names in the ring as well, the likes of John Eustace and I think Neil Warnock was mentioned somewhere. Of course, he was mentioned somewhere. Um, it's what, what do you think about this appointment? Because I think I'm I'm very on the fence, but at the same time, it's someone that is going to get from from looking at it, their first proper job at a football league side. Yeah, um, it is. It'll be left field, same as Quifentes at QPR, but I don't think it's one that's too risky when you take the caliber of club he's coming from. Um, I don't think Millwall are in any danger of anything this season in terms of relegation. Um, like a, like like we've said a few times this podcast, but I do think that the bottom three are nailed on for a relegation zone. It's just a matter of playing for pride for everyone else who's down there. 
Um, but Millwall look again look a shadow of a team who we, we saw last season from them. And I think one reason for it is the threat of the three teams who've come down from the Premier League. I mean, in my opinion, the three teams who came down from the Premier League last season weren't the three teams who deserved to get relegated. I, I think there were teams finished above them who got results somewhere that the other teams didn't. And they they did deserve to go down for results elsewhere. Um, I think... Everton deserved to go down more than Leicester, Bournemouth over Leeds and probably Forest over Southampton. But Forest did get some important points. Yeah, um, we'll come to you, Tom. Um, what do you think about this whole potential appointment that's, that looks like it's going to take place for Millwall? I think it's a gamble, but I think it's probably one worth taking. As I said, as Chris said, obviously as a QPR fan, I, I hope the bottom three at the moment isn't nailed on for relegation. But I do think that just the nature of the league, I think there's, there is quite a few poor sides in the league and a team like Millwall, although they're 18th in the table um, and similar with Bristol City taking a bit of a gamble on Liam Manning um, or looks to be Liam Manning. I think they, they probably think if we're going to make a, a, an appointment that could go horribly wrong, this season is probably the one to do it. Um, and I think Millwall have, have had that safety net of Gary Rowett for a long time now and probably are just thinking, let's let's change it up. They've got the players. They've got the likes of Zian Fleming, who we know on his day is a very good player. That They have Casper Denor in midfield, who could, for me, every time I've seen him, has been very impressive. Tom Bradshaw will score goals at championship level. They could make a run for the playoffs, but... They just need a manager that can maybe get something out of those sort of average championship players and maybe take them to the next level. Um, and so that's why I think that it's probably not a bad appointment at all. And as I say, worst case scenario, they fall into a relegation battle. They sack the manager and they've got the quality in the squad to stay up comfortably. So it's probably a win-win situation, really, for Millwall. There's no real risk to it. Yeah, I completely agree with that one. I think in terms of Gary Rowett sacking. I thought it was quite baffling at the time, but I think the more I read into it, I can see why they've done it. I, th I think they probably needed to maybe take a different direction. Um, it's certainly a risk, but I think all, all appointments are uh, when it comes to managers. Um, and yeah, it's 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 an interesting one with Millwall. I think, you know, they've got some good players in their squad. Um you know, we, we, we've mentioned the likes of Zion Fleming and, you know, you've got some other players in there. Tom Bradshaw can score can score goals. Jake Cooper's a reliable championship defender. Um, and it's just, I think at the minute as well, I, th I think I think there's somewhat, with their form, I think there's a sense of, they may be short on confidence. Um, I think I certainly get that, I get that feeling with that, but I don't think, I don't think Mill will be, will be any bother in terms of, uh, looking down, but I don't, at this moment in time, I'm not seeing much in which makes me think they'll they'll properly push on, but they're just that steady team in the sense is, is what I feel with Millwall, as much as they've got a good place, but uh, take nothing away from Southampton, really good result on the day, and they walk away from, from the den with all three points. So we're going to go to uh, to Plymouth Argyle now, they, uh, they played Middlesbrough, uh, who are doing quite well in the league at the minute as well. Uh, really good game this one. It, it finished 3-3. Three, three. 
Um, Middlesbrough taking taking the lead just just under the half hour mark. Um, it was a known goal from Lewis Gibson. Then Barley Mumba is a player that I rate big time with the with the equalising. It was a lovely layoff from Asaz, but and then um, and then Asaz again for the second as well. And then they got given a pen um, in which uh, Coburn um, his pen was saved, but he, he scored the rebound. Um, and then they and then they took the lead through through Sam Greenwood as well. Only a few minutes later as well, and it was an interesting one for their goal as well for the for the equalising goal for the Pilgrims with Morgan Whitaker. It just seemed to evade everyone, and uh, it, it's gone in. It's a really good result on the face of it for um, for Plymouth as well. We were, it, it, we were doing all right at the minute. Um, I think it's something safe to say. Uh, Lewis, you had this one. Um, Home Park is not a place that any team wants to go to, is there? Yeah, certainly. And when you see a fixture at Home Park, I think it's safe to say that you always guarantee goals. And that's exactly what we got here. And Borough got off to a brilliant start through Josh Coburn. We turned in a Lucas Engel cross at short range. And here's in particular Lucas Engel, a player who's really interested me as of recent. He came in from Denmark for... One million this summer, and he's heavily featured very recently in Borough's recent win form. And the assist was very well timed for him and incredibly executed. And yeah, it was very back and forth performance. I think Plymouth will probably say it's one point gained, and Borough probably two points dropped, despite being behind two times, I believe, in the game. And they had themselves three two up. And then, as you said, Morgan Whitaker had a, a well-placed free kick into the corridor of uncertainty. And despite no one getting a nick onto it, it found itself into the far corner. And yeah, this is a Borough side who were on a decent run of form as of late. They had three wins before a loss and a draw. I think they had a further two wins before that as well. So yeah, this is a Plymouth side now. Probably weren't happier of the two, although they do need to be getting points on the board at some point. We've been very hit and miss very recently, and it's only a fact of the bottom three being so poor that they've got that six-point cushion from Rotherham. Yeah, um, Tom, we'll, we'll come to you for this for this uh, next one. Uh, we we look at Middlesbrough at the minute. Uh, didn't have. Uh, didn't have the best of starts this season. I think that's putting it quite nicely, but they have really picked it up um, as of late. I think they won like six in a row at one point. They they lost to Stoke last week and they've um, and they drew this week. Is I think these sorts of results of what could come back to haunt them in terms of potentially fighting for promotion at the end of the season, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I think, again, though, on the whole... You probably look at it, Middlesbrough, it's a long, long way. And fair play to the Borough fans for selling out both Exeter and Plymouth away, by the way, within the space of a week. That's excellent support. But you probably look at that game on paper, let's be honest, Middlesbrough fans, and they'd probably take a point going to Plymouth. It's a long journey. It's not a terrible result. But when you score three goals away from home and don't win, you're always going to be disappointed, especially when you're in front. Um and I thought Borough definitely lacked that leadership and, and defensive solidity that Darrell Lenehan brings. Um, a lot of Middlesbrough fans have been counting down the days for him to return from injury. And when you've got no disrespect to him, but in my opinion, Paddy McNair is just a really, really poor championship defender. 
Um, and if he's starting games for Middlesbrough consistently, then I don't think they'll be anywhere near the top six. But, you know, really promising for young Josh Coburn, a lad I know personally, actually. So good to see him getting in amongst the goals. And and he's, he's a very decent hold-up striker as well, links the play well. I think that's why Carrick prefers him to Latte Lath, who's probably more of a natural finisher. But overall, Borough, decent result for them, decent result for Plymouth, entertaining game for the fans. Pretty much a, a really positive overall, really. Good stuff. Um, Chris, what what do you think about Middlesbrough at the minute? Of course, they, they did have that slow start. And again, I say that quite nicely in a sense, but, but then they really picked up in the sense that Hold on, that these can be good. You know, we, we've seen it last season how good they can be. Um, I just want to get your thoughts of them at the minute as well, because yeah, when it's but, going good, it's going good. When it's when it's not, it's potentially not the best. But we've seen so few of those recently. Um, well, until the start of the season, but as of late, we haven't really seen that. They they seem to be one of those teams. They either have they never have really have an average day. They either have a day where they're on fantastic form or things just will not go their way and they're absolutely disastrous as they've started this season off with Carrick. But Carrick's done a fantastic job turning them around. And I think that speaks a lot of credit to him as a manager to get this side performing the way they are now, given how they started the season off in the championship. Yeah, for sure. Um, just a few pointers for me. Uh, Tom mentioned the fact that they've travelled to both Exeter and Plymouth this week. So, all up, just fair play. Um, you know, they, they've done some mileage this week. And um, I, th- and I think on the face, on the basis of it, as much as I think you maybe look at it, um, maybe could have got more. I think I think you look at it with, with the distance. I think with some as well. I think, I think overall it's a good point. I don't think many teams uh, will come to home park and get something. And I think that'll be the key um, for a successful season for Plymouth Argyle. So um, it's an interesting result, actually, because I think you look at it and you do sense that Plymouth will be somewhat the happier of the two teams. The fact that they were winning at one point and then and then they found themselves behind. But I think that, that let you go. I think they will be the happier of the two. Um, but... Yeah, it's a really interesting result on the whole, and uh, and I think both will probably take it in the sense, um, uh, with all things considering. Um, we're going to go to Bristol now. Uh, Bristol City, Sheffield Wednesday. We all know uh, Sheffield Wednesday at the moment. They're uh, not having the best of times, although they did win last week, but that only seemed to be a one-off as they uh, couldn't repeat it uh, and, and get another one against uh, a managerless Bristol City side. Um, Barry Bannon was red carded for this one. Um, he got sent off in in the first half. It looked to be denying a goal scoring opportunity as well. And then the yellow goal that came coming um, from Rob Dickey uh, midway through the, the second half. Um, so it's it's still only one win for um, for Sheffield Wednesday uh, this se- season as well. And I think they've only picked up is it six points? I want to say. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not looking the best at times um, for uh, for the Owls, is it, Chris? No, and um, I think this might have been the dullest game of a weekend. 
Um, well, <laughs> Rob got some competition. Uh, Rob Dickey's goal. The cross took about four deflections before it fell to him to tap in. Um, the only interesting part about it is is you have another sceptical penalty shout in this game, and that's Barry Bannon's red card. Um, the referee ended up giving a free kick on the edge of a box, but the player did go down on the edge of the area, uh, inside the box. So it's, for me, I think the referee's right to give it as a free kick, but I think it you can also forgive the referee for giving it as a penalty without VAR in this league. Um, every shot just seemed to be a tapping from somewhere, a feeble attempt at getting the ball in the bottom corner. It seemed almost more like Bristol City were trying to pass the ball into the net rather than actually shoot. I think there was a period where they actually hit both posts in the space of 10 seconds. Ball falls, I think it was, I can't remember who it fell to, uh, with an open goal to tap into and he just hits it against the post and it's cleared away. Yeah, um, what what I typed in here, it was uh, Tommy Conway with the in, the original shot, and it was a uh, Sam Bell on on the rebound who who hit the other post. So it could have been more. That's the thing. It could have very easily have been more. Um, Tom, one just the one win in in fifteen for um, Deffield Wednesday. I think it's over the third game in which uh, Danny Roll has taken over, but. I think as as far as I'm concerned, the writing's already on the on the wall at the minute. Six points are like nine adrift from Huddersfield in twenty first. They've scored seven goals, which is uh, I think it's four fewer than than any other team. It's the writing's on the wall already, isn't it, to an extent? Uh, yes and no. I think that I I agree that they've been awful so far this season, but I think this performance wasn't terrible. Um, again, on that penalty, if it gets given a penalty instead of a free kick, am I, am I right in saying that Bannon wouldn't have been sent off because of the double jeopardy rule? I think he would have. I'm not too sure. It depends. I think the double jeopardy would have saved him. Yeah, I don't know if it would have. But again, Wednesday created some chances in this game. I mean, yes, they only had six shots, but I think Ashley Fletcher missed an absolute sitter. I think in the last five minutes or so, and that you know they could have easily nicked a point from that if he scores that. Uh, yeah, Bristol City created more, much more of the game, but with a man advantage they're going to. And I know a few Sheffield Wednesday fans, um, and I've spoke to them about it since Danny Roll came in, and they have said that the performances have been night and day. It's just the results have been okay, three points from three games. So. I wouldn't write them off yet because if he can get a few wins, it's a, it's a club with a fan base that if they get momentum, especially at Hillsborough, they could go on a bit of a run. Um, so, yeah, I don't think the writing's on the wall just yet, but I think, you know, they need to really, next four sort of six games, they need to be picking up wins. And if not, then then it's probably relegation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lewis, we'll come to you for this one. It's... Obviously, Bristol City uh, won this one with um, following back-to-back defeats in what they've had. Um, it looks like as well, if if, you, if anyone's seen the news today, uh, it looks like their search for a new gaffer is going to be ended. It looks like uh, Liam Manning is going to be joining from um, from Oxford United, who has done a relatively decent job there. There were other uh, 
candidates in the mix as well. I think Frank Lampard was one. And there was a couple of others as well. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on this potential appointment going in. Do you think it's the right one? Well, if it was a case of him or Frank Lampard, I think it's safe to say it was the right appointment. Yeah, I couldn't look at the options. We've seen him uh, have a very positive impact at Oxford. He's also been at MK Dons and Lommel abroad. And in them three them three senior roles that he has had, he's achieved an average of about 1.63 points per game, which is fairly good going considering the sides that he's been at. And this Oxford side, although it does have a fair bit of talent, find themselves second in the league, only behind Portsmouth, who find themselves unbeaten. I think it's a, a great scoop for them. And to be honest, I'm very surprised that he's left such a desirable job and such a, a good Oxford side for this Bristol City team. Yeah, I think on the basis of it, I think it's an excellent appointment. Um, it's an absolute blow for Oxford with the job he's done there in the space of time. I think to clear him away from danger last year, in which they were really poor last year. But I think the start of the season, they, they've been excellent. They've got some really good players in their squad, Oxford, and they picked up some really good wins. We've seen it with MK Dons beforehand, uh, when they had the likes of Scott Twine there and... Um, and Harry Darling as well in their defence. So, you know, he's do sense that he has worked with some decent players in the past and he's coming in that he's coming in now. I think Bristol City have some decent players. Jason Knight is one, Tommy Conway. Um, looks like he's growing every week. I think it's a very solid appointment. And like I think if it was either him or Lampard, I'd have obviously gone for Manning every day. Um I, I, ju I just really like the appointment. Because as someone as as much as he's been in the league below, he's done it with decent clubs who have had decent foundations. Obviously, it didn't go quite well uh, towards the end of his spell at MK Dons. But he's proven in in League One that he's very capable to make the step up. But on the pitch, it was it was a much needed win for for Bristol City in in that regard. And another um, another poor day at the office for Sheffield Wednesday. So we'll move on to the next game. Chris mentioned it was the fact that he thought that the uh, that game was was the Dulles game. Um, I disagree. I think it's this one between Huddersfield and Watford. Um, judging by the highlights and what I saw, um, I even wrote in my notes that nothing happened. Nothing happened of any sig significance. Um, couple of couple, Both teams had chances, uh, but not many. I think Watford had the better of the chances, but ultimately it's, it's a nil-nil draw. Just... Just not much happened at all. And it it sort of speaks volumes with the fact that both teams at the minute, Huddersfield are 21st and, um, and Watford not having the best of times in, in 16th either. So, um, I mean, I think a draw is probably the right result. I just don't think that they deserved, uh, that they deserved to be a winner, to be honest. But, um, uh, we'll come to you first, uh, I just want to get your thoughts on it. I know it's quite quite a tough one to, to break down in terms of the game, but in terms of the result, I think even for what... I mean, you look at it in the sense that Watford have been beaten in five and they've won two. But with Huddersfield struggling as well, I, again, I just I just see it as a as, as a result, as result that's far from idea for, from both teams. Is that something you maybe agree with? Yeah, I think... Um... 
for me, I really worry about Huddersfield's recent performances under Darren Moore. I mean, to just have 29% possession, five shots and an XG of not even 0.2 at home against, let's all be honest, a Watford side that, especially on their travels, are very, very beatable. Um, it's just their performances have just recently been really dire. Even in the game where I saw them for a full 90 minutes against QPR, they were awful after being gifted two goals early. Um, they made Gareth Ames of QPR side look good in possession, which I think says everything about them at the minute. So I think if I was to pick a team to really drop into that that relegation scrap, they're obviously already in it now, but to drop into that bottom three, it would be Huddersfield. And as for Watford, I think under Ishmael, they've, they've been just very inconsistent. We saw them batter at QPR 4-0 on opening day, and then they've had some really poor results. So I think they're probably destined for a season of inconsistency in mid-table. Yeah, um, I think that's something I can get behind as well. Um, Chris, I did mention as well, it's five unbeaten for Watford now. But uh, three, three of them have been drawn. So it's a sense that they're not losing games, but also... They're, they're struggling to kill teams off as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're not. Um, they're not picking up results, and I think if you could argue someone under pressure ahead of David Wagner at Norwich, it would be Ishmael. Um, and it's funny you mention um, this being such a dull game because I had a similar experience with a West Brom game during his, t- his time there, which was the season Nottingham Forest came up and. I don't even think I remember... I was in the press box for it and I don't even think I remember a shot on target in the game. Um, and that was when... That was that period was when Forest were in the bottom half of the table and West Brom were in the playoffs and they sort of swapped roles around. That's when a really poor run from Ishmael at West Brom began. So it does seem to be a trend with him, whether whether it is that he just can't get teams playing the way he wants to or he struggles to adapt an identity to a team, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, that's something I'm getting bored with as well. Just with Lewis on Huddersfield as well. Um, I'm trying to think out how you can word this. I think with with the three teams at the minute as well, is it a case of... I know that Huddersfield have got a little bit of daylight at the minute in terms of out there, but is it, you think at the minute, it could be something they could be dragged into if they're not careful as well? Yeah, certainly. We're seeing managerial changes at QPR, at Sheffield Wednesday. I expect in the coming weeks, if things don't change, for Taylor to be replaced at Rotherham. I think these these clubs are making positive changes, I think it's safe to say. Sith Winter's coming in. Danny Roll coming in as well. They're both getting their philosophy on board and we've only seen one game from QPR, but it seems to have worked a little bit. I don't think they will have got a point on the board if they still had Ainsworth in the dugout. But yeah, we saw Huddersfield chop and change their manager as well. Darren Moores came in and it was just another game winless for them. And there's just a real... There's a lack of attacking threat from them. They went out with at the back, which was a bizarre decision. And they also had Kyle Hudlin up top, six foot nine bloke who 
played in non league last year. I think I've I'm already saying he was in that non league last season. He was, he was in that Solihull team, um, in which yeah. he scored five goals all season and three of them were against us in all comps. So, yeah, I, I don't know, he's absolutely scared the life. Uh, <laughs> I think scared, that's scared me to death. Just yeah, he was but like, to have him, to have him as your lone striker in the championship, it it stinks of getting relegated to League One. And if you look at the the league table since Darren Moore took over, I think they are in the bottom three. I think Rotherham probably have picked up a couple more points in them in comparison. And yeah, but by no means out of this at all. You see, they've got. You can see Plymouth around there with them and Coventry as well. And of all them sides to potentially get dragged into that bottom three, Huddersfield's undoubtedly decide to do that. Yeah, I, I certainly think so as well. I think you, you see the teams at the minute at the bottom three in which you, you, you look at all teams and you think, how are they going to get out of it? I think at the minute with the three teams that are in the bottom, I think QPR have the big over the chance. Um, but, uh, but, only time, but only time will tell. Uh, Wednesday, need to get way some way more wins, and Rotherham. I, I don't even know who's going with them, but I think with Huddersfield, yeah, if they're not careful, um, they need to be looking over their shoulder at the minute. But I, I don't know. It's it's interesting with them. They've cert- I think they certainly could get dragged to it if they're not careful. But um, I, I just like Darren Moore. I think I, I don't think he'll he'll let that happen. But he, he's not the one playing on the pitch. It's it's his players, but. Like I said, early time can well tell with that one. Um, it's it's different to Coventry in the sense of they're also on the same points as well. Um, I think I, I still think they'll be fine. They've they've got the quality. They're probably just not showing it at the minute. Uh, but the Versailles score fourteen goals um, themselves sort of feel. So I think in terms of the relegation fight, I think certainly keep an eye on them as well. I think they really need to uh, get a couple more results. Just at this stage at, at the minute, anyway, uh, just to ease the nerves. A sense as much as it's still early days, as have mentioned. Um, we'll go to a couple more games to go. We'll go to Swansea next. It was another another goalless draw, but it seemed a little bit more entertaining than the one that we saw um, at Huddersfield, which inv- which involved um, a red card and involved a penalty. Chris. Uh, yeah, actually one of the more exciting games, and I think if either side, neither side can be complaining if we ever nicked a win from this. Uh Swansea missed a penalty in uh yeah Swansea missed a penalty in injury time of the first half. But um Charlie Patino was sent off as well in the first half for his second yellow. And I think he's it's a bit of a tough one because he's committed to the challenge and the players tried to turn and he's caught the player. So he is late and you know it is a yellow card but It'll be tough for a young player like Charlie Patino to take. Um, Michael Duff has actually warned him that he could lose his place in the team if he carried on. Um, but Patino is a player, he's on loan from Arsenal. And as an Arsenal fan, I was resigned to losing him in the summer. He wanted first team football. And somewhere, someone spoke him into staying. So there's, there's a plan been put into place somewhere, obviously, because he's only gone on loan when he was actually listed for sale in the summer. Uh, he's got a fantastic future ahead of him, but he is a player who gets a lot of yellow cards. Um, 
then Sunderland, I think they, I think I counted three times they hit the bar in the game. So neither side can complain about the point, but both sides will feel they can take, they could have nicked it from the other. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think it certainly looked to be one of the better uh, draws um, off the weekend. Um, Lewis, we saw with the fact that uh, Swansea have uh, they've won five of their last eight, um, which was quite interesting to me because they're another side that didn't have the best of start of the season. Then they went on a bit of a run, and it's sort of um, it's. It seems it's sort of uh, stagnated a, a tad bit recently, but I think all things considering, I think it's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. And to go down to 10 men against any side to come out with a point, and we will see Sunderland, they got a total of 25 shots. Only three of them were on target, which just shows how wasteful they were. But in terms of Swansea, they did defend very vigilantly and all credit has to go to them. And that's that season sitting fourteenth. But look at the games that they do have up and coming. They've got Ipswich, Hull, and Leeds. Three games which are safe to say are very difficult. Bices aside, I think safe to say Hull's not the most difficult of the three, but it is also a tough place to be getting points. And if they were getting three points in the next three, I think they'd be very happy. But I just can't really see it happening to be honest and despite the 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 good form five six games ago they have stagnated and I feel like there is the threat of that potentially dropping off even further and then looking down the table yeah um for sure um Tom just a quick note on Sunderland as well um obviously Lewis mentioned that there was about 25 shots Sunderland had three of them were on target but I think they hit the woodwork um, a couple of times. Um, you do sort of look at it a sense for, at times, it was a good defensive performance from Swansea, but isn't it a case that, with 71% possession as well, they had a hell of a lot of the ball, um, hell of a lot more free kicks and corners and all that stuff. It just seems like they've, they did everything but score to an extent, don't you think? Yeah, I think it was just, you have those days, you probably have one or two of them a season. Um, we'll all have been in, home or away ends in games where you just can't seem to score. And I think the positive for Sunderland is they haven't lost the game. Um, obviously, Patterson making a really good penalty save from Jamal Lowe has probably gained them a point, even though they'll come away from the game thinking, how have we not won that? But, I mean, they've now picked up four points in the last two after three defeats on the bounce, I think, before that. So, that's that's positive for Sunderland, and I am confident that they will definitely be a side in and around that that playoff challenges um, come the end of the season. Because I think that all they need to do is find a consistent goal scorer that's name isn't Jack Clark, and I think they'll they could even make a push for the top two. Absolutely, look, I've, I've sang my praises on Jack Clark all the time on this podcast but it just seemed to be um in front of goal in particular uh, sort of an off day because we've seen some of them absolutely blow teams away at times as well um just looking at it as well i think in terms of an away performance it it was actually really good um but i think you also look at it in swansea i think the, judging with the fact they were down to 10 men as well um i thought they defended really well carl rushworth 
in the Swansea goal made some excellent saves as well at times. So, um, but yeah, the the main the big deciding point is is the penalty in which um, was saved well by Anthony Patterson from from Jamal Lowe, even though yeah, it probably wasn't the best of pens, but. I think you are still got to be able to make the save anyway, and the, the, just that. And it, it's one what I thought in the end was a very good point. Um, so that game finished nil nil. Um, last game of the weekend now comes at Stoke, a goalless draw um, to Cardiff City. They were doing all right this season. I think it's taken quite a few by surprise. Um, it certainly seemed a cagey affair this one. Um, Stoke are now unbeaten in four. They've uh, they've won their last three um, before before that draw, and Cardiff are now unbeaten in three. But with the with that draw, with them winning their last two, uh, Lewis, you had this one. Would you probably say KG is the correct term? Yeah, certainly. And it was a game prior to it happening. I expected it to be one of the highlights of the weekend, and I think it's safe to say it didn't quite live up to our expectation and I think it tells you everything you need to know when you see the highlights package on YouTube and it's below two minutes so very little to talk about with this game I suppose the wayside could have opened with what was a glancing header from Mark McGuinness but just crept wide of Jack Bonham's goal and before the interval they also struck the woodwork after Callum Robinson's shot from a tight angle got a nick off the Stoke defender and had the keeper beat as for the home side, very few opportunities in the 90 minutes to speak of for them. And really, it was a game in which they were lucky to come away with a point, in my opinion. I believe either side would have taken a draw prior to the game. And yeah, this one leaves Cardiff and Stoke in good stead, sitting 7th and 13th respectively. And a fair result in the swing of things. Yeah, of course. Uh, Tom, I just want to get your thoughts on um, Cardiff as well. They've had a relatively strong opening 15 games of the season. Um, did it take you by surprise of how well, how well they've done, considering the last few, past couple of years they've not been that great? 100%. I mean, for me, I'll be totally honest. I thought when Errol Bullock was appointed, I thought that's a risky appointment for a team that's been in a relegation battle for the last two seasons. Um, but... You know, and again, similar when they signed Aaron Ramsey, I thought that could just be a signing to sort of get the fans off the owners' back. He was under a bit of pressure. But in fairness to Cardiff, even though Ramsey hasn't massively contributed, I think he's been injured recently. Um, they've they seem to be playing a really decent and solid brand of football. They've only conceded 16 goals, which is one of the best defensive records in the league and they're, they're scoring goals, you know, 23 goals scored. And I think if you look at it right now, you look at the top six, Preston, Cardiff, Sunderland, Hull and Blackburn, that's from sixth to 10th. I think Cardiff, Sunderland and Hull will both be looking at Preston and even perhaps West Brom and thinking we've got a real good chance of getting in in that playoff spot if we continue to play the way we do, because I think, Cardiff's at the moment they're passing the eye test under under Errol Bullock. Exactly that he's done a fantastic job so far, and I, I think I'm right in saying he has pretty much taken quite a few by surprise as well, a couple of eye openers, including myself as well. Uh, Chris, just a quick word on on Stoke. They're not doing too bad at the moment either. Alongside the Strawberry Cardiff, their last thing is they won their last three, but their last three have been it. Impressive wins against Sunderland, Leeds, 
and Middlesbrough, respectively. Um, it seemed like for a period that um, Alex Neil was sort of coming to the brink, but I think in recent in recent weeks, um, before that they'd lost to Leicester Southampton, but again before that they picked up a win at, against Bristol City. They've they've really got their act together in recent weeks, haven't they? And they've pulled off some impressive performances and results. Yeah, I, th- I think they've become a bit of that team that they used to be in the Premier League in uh, going to the Britannia Stadium. You know, in their Premier League days, I, I used to hate when we'd go to the Britannia because they'd always do something against someone. They they seem to love a result against the top six teams in their Premier League days. Um, I mean, this I'm not sure if he played. I know Tom said he's been injured recently, but wouldn't have been a game Ramsey would have been going into with fond memories at all obviously his horror injury there which I think for me that injury derailed his entire career Um, but Stoke I think within I don't think they will this season with obviously the way everyone around them is playing but I think next season or the season after we could see them start making a push for the playoffs and try to get to the Premier League once again yeah exactly that Stoke you mentioned with Stoke as well under you know, them being the team, the team in the Premier League back in the day that no one wanted to play under the likes of Tony Pulis and the Rory the Lap long throw and and all and all that jazz. The teams absolutely hated it as well. Uh, just with Aaron Ramsey as well. Um, he's he, he was injured uh, for the, for this one. Looking at it as well, I think he's he'll be injured for quite a period of time. But I think looking on the face of it as well, I think Cardiff had the somewhat the better chances. But I think a draw is probably the correct result. So before we go, we're just going to have a. Quick look at the current league table as it is at the minute. Leicester still still leading away, four points clear uh, of Ipswich in second, who have a game in hand, which is their game at Rotherham on Tuesday. Leeds, Southampton, West Brom and Preston North End make up the playoff places uh, with Cardiff, Sunderland, Hull, Hull and Blackburn um, not too far away themselves. Bristol City currently sitting 11th alongside Middlesbrough in 12th. Uh, Stoke, Swansea, Birmingham make up 13th, 14th with 15th. Uh, Watford, we've mentioned under Valerian Ishmael, they're going to 616. Uh, David Wagner's David uh, Norwich, we'll see how long that lasts. Um, currently at 17th, Millwall in 18th, uh, Plymouth in 19th. Um, and we've got um, Coventry, Coventry in 20th as well, uh, sharing the same points as Huddersfield in, in 21st, just outside of the relegation zone and making up the, the bottom three is Rotherham in 22nd on 10 points, so five points behind Huddersfield. Uh, Queen's Park Rangers in 23rd, sitting six points behind uh, Huddersfield in 21st. And finally, Sheffield Wednesday with their one win this season, currently sitting bottom of the league with uh, six points, nine points adrift, only one win in 15 so far this season. So um, that brings the end to this week's um, uh, Look Sports Media podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, Make sure... Make sure to share it all around. Make sure you follow us on, on social media, the likes of TikTok, X. No one calls it X, let's be honest. Um, TikTok as well, you can follow us on there. Uh, make, make sure you share it around. Um, it's been great fun. Um, my name's been Jordan. I've been joined today by Chris, Lewis and, and Tom. Um, just just a quick just a quick word from, from everyone. Um, it's, been, it's been good, hasn't it, for, for another week of football? Yeah, and just a quick news story to round us off is uh, Blackburn Rovers' former striker, Brethren Diaz, could be returning to the EFL with uh, 
Leicester and West Brom both credited in an interest with him. So he could be coming back to the championship. Yes, that's, that's certainly a big one as well. I've been a big fan of Ben Barrett in Diaz um, over the past couple of years at Blackburn Rovers. So we'll see we'll see what happens with this one. So it's a good rumour that certainly have, but and one I'd be welcome with to see him back in the championship. But we'll see what happens with that. So um, yeah, just want to thank you guys for listening. Um, it, it's been good fun doing this. Always, like I said, follow us on on social media. And up until next time, this has been the Lux Sports Media Championship Podcast. My name's been Jordan. Um, joined by Chris Lewis and Tom and we'll see you next time thank you very much for listening Hi, I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.